Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events and topics through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as you know, uh, as many lenses have a prismatic effect, each one of us will be sitting in a chair today dealing with a specific color, if you will, of the Christian worldview. To my right this morning is Jennifer. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I got coffee in hand, so I'm, I'm happy. That's good. Uh, so, Jennifer, you'll be sitting in the chair of? Uh, theology. Theology. Excellent. Glad to have you there. Dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe, we do have an almighty creator who did reveal himself mm-hmm. through his word and his word became flesh. That's true. To her right, we have Miss Nikki. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. And you'll be sitting in the chair of? Politics. Very good. Dealing with the political nature of our belief. At the end of the day, if you have a relationship with Christ, you will want to make sure that the God-ordained institution of government is run well. And to her right, we have Mr. Charlie. How are you this morning, sir? We are doing great. Good morning to all. Glad to have you. And which chair are you sitting in, sir? We will be doing culture today. Dealing with the counterculture that the Christian must bring to the culture that is developed Mm -hmm. by the world. And yours truly, John Arthur, will be sitting in the chair of philosophy, warming it in case we get Josh in here, and uh, also dealing with the chair of economics. I'm sorry, you got your least favorite chair again. Mm. It's just not right. (laughs) I always get my favorite chair. (laughs) I love the chair of economics because, look, at the end of the day, if you don't have a good theology, you won't have a good philosophy. We'll deal with that first. Good philosophy is founded on a rigorous theology and good thought. And again, with the chair of economics, God does not make stupid rules. There is value in this universe that he's placed on certain things. We need to look for that value, most importantly, for the eternal aspect. Now, today, if you've read the title of this podcast, you know that we're talking about victimhood culture. Victimhood culture, I just want to tee this up before we go into these stories, is really an interesting thing. But when did becoming a victim become desirable? Uh, I think it's hard to nail down. I think it started in the 60s. It very well might have. Uh, Certainly, I think the first real bastion of it is um, university campuses. You know, we, we can all remember, you know, 2015 making fun of the snowflakes on college campuses once they get out in the real world oh they'll shape up mm, yeah okay. they just created many many yeah, more snowflakes almost 2022 and uh how's that how's that working out for us so l- let me throw this out here i think victimhood be- became the trajectory after the civil rights victories of the 1960s we didn't get everything fixed but we got on the right start right we we, we had the right path moving forward and LBJ and other leaders realized that they had to rebrand the movement. The cultural Marxist movement is what was born out of that because we had the Marxist movement coming out of the 1800s and through the early 1900s. But now that we saw, we, we, we saw Jim Crow fail, we saw all these other big government policies fail, they realized that they could take a twist on what the Russians and Chinese have been doing and now you have cultural Marxism, something that could lead you to a utopia. And by the way, you would have to exchange your freedoms that you were just given to accept this culture of victimhood if you were black or a woman 
or Asian or what have you. Mm-hmm. Although the Asians usually don't get any love. Uh, <laughs> with that said, <laughs> with that said, let, let's talk about the topic of today. Um, if you're, this is tw- late 2021, uh, the filming of this, and Jesse Smollett was just found guilty of five counts of staging uh, a racist anti-gay attack in Chicago lying to police. Jennifer's got that story mm-hmm. for us. Yes. So a jury found ex-Empire actor Juicy Smollett guilty Thursday of five out of six counts of felony disorderly conduct in Chicago one week after the trial. And uh, disorderly conduct in, can carry up to three years in prison. Um, but they say experts experts say he likely will be placed on probation, uh, perhaps ordered to do some community service. And this is so. This is just a goofy. Let's flip the let's flip the script here. Let's say that this was an 1880s Democrat style. Oh look, he raped my daughter, and nothing happened. How would that, if a white guy came out and and acted like an 1880s Democrat (laughs) and said he raped my daughter, went on Good Morning America Mm -hmm. and talked about these two Negroes who came and beat or or beat him up, whatever, whatever, just flip the race for a second. Mm. But but everyone else is talking about that. Let's let's go a bit deeper. Well, the person who they accused would be dead before there was even like mention of a trial. You don't even have to go back to the 1800s. No. In in the 1930s here in Texas alone, 300 black men were lynched without even a, a trial. And Absolutely. nothing was done. Mm-hmm. So we have an issue. And I, I'm going to lean more toward this is a human heart issue more than a, a uh, racial issue. We use mm-hmm. race when it gives us a leg up. Of course. And in America, because we have a problem with slavery and these hate crimes against black people from days gone by that that is used for that leg up to give me an extra so voice or an extra you know people will listen power to power mm-hmm. more power mm-hmm. so let's let's dig in a little bit further because uh, you know a, a friend of mine Carlin Charleston he he has a show a race race and uh, he said it really well. He said, we won. You know, it, by the way, Black is Night. And he's a, he is a, I, I, I call him Black Captain America because he is as ripped as Captain America, all natural, but just 40 years of being in the gym. And uh, he says, look, we won the 1960s civil rights movement. I spent the whole 70s in the Marines cleaning out the racism, being a part of that fighting it, bucking it, and conquering it. He said, that's done. We did that. Stop co-opting our fight. Mm. Good point. We already won that. So why do we want to go back to it? Because it still provides value. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when you look at... So Jesse Smollett is really an interesting caricature of the whole thing mm-hmm. why why was this being done why did he go about doing this you got an unbelievable amount of hatred to donald trump 
and you've got a movement that is afoot that is part of that whole makeup he wants to expose it and use it for himself it's a personal benefit to him and now it probably is going to cook his acting career it's, oh, I don't think it will. Finished. Well, I think, I, I, I think you're going to look at the entire uh, black voting, economic voting block, and not, let me rephrase that. Those who view themselves as the black economic voting block, you'll see a lot, if not most of them, still come behind him. No, I disagree. I uh, hope There's a I lot hope of not. blacks in this country that are going right to the way that your friend from the gym is going. Let they say, are tired of this. I'm not saying I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those who see themselves as I'm 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 talking about the very very anti 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 racist group. I, I don't know if I'm on the even or the odd there. Um but <laughs> Right, you're talking about Ibram X Candy and Yes, know, the 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 the, the what, and that's not even Rachel his name. And- yes, that camp, the 1619 Project camp. And let me be really clear. I'm talking about the 1619 types. Those who see themselves as this voting block that they can take over the world. I, you have to talk to some of these people who are, who are absolutely... Um, indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. That's the right word. So I think those people are still going to be fully on board with Juicy Smollett. Oh, did I say that wrong? Anyway, but the, but the thing is, is how many how many of those people really exist? The media makes it sound like we are just mm-hmm. infested, if I could use that word, mm-hmm. with those types of people. Yeah. That is not true. Their voice is loud because they have access to a microphone. I agree. But other than that, but here's America the thing. is seeing through this. They have money. They will continue to burn it away. The majority of Americans, black, white, whatever color they're americans and they're a lot a lot of them are christians or at least they have a judeo-christian value mm-hmm. and they see through that i agree but i'm talking about those with the voice and those with the microphone to have i don't think uh jesse smollett is gonna get off with too much or we'll see he's gonna i, I don't i slap. don't think he's gonna be doing too much acting was he much of anything before no, no he was on empire I, I think that i agree with you that Maybe not acting. I think he's going to find his niche in with the people who are already the leeches that on this be. racism. That's, Some kind of book deal or talking. So you're talking games. a Colin Kaepernick type. Something that has like gone that. From football, now I'm going politics. Yeah, purely. Kaepernick, who was a terrible, terrible player, yeah. uh, became a terrible, terrible book writer. Yeah. But his stuff is selling. So. Let's move on to a couple of other interesting cases. And it's just these all kind of are happening in this news cycle. They're all interesting uh, because they, they paint an interesting picture of this this attitude, this or this thought process. This is from uh, the Gateway Pundit. But a Delta flight from D.C. to LAX was forced to make an emergency landing uh, in Oklahoma Thursday right after a passenger screaming about BLM and being enslaved by the white man, assaulted flight attendants and an air marshal. 35-year-old uh, Ariel Pennington of D.C. was restrained with zip ties on the flight and booked into the Oklahoma City jail for disorderly conduct and public drunkenness. So, it, it, and if you want to watch the video, there there's a whole video of it, uh, of him screaming at the air air wardens, or air marshals, rather, and it's it's all rather entertaining. Let me say it this way. I don't think this is actually a 
representative subject of the black population in America. Right. Because, and, but these are the people we're giving the mic to. And these are the people that, uh, Jesse Smollett are going to continue to play to the, the lowest rung. And again, let me be clear. This is not about race. You, you, you can, you can compare this to some, your negative stereotype of the white Appalachian, right? Um, every, every, every race has, has their, every culture has their, uh, people who are miscreants. That's not what we're talking about race here. We're talking about this one individual, but he's one of many. So let's just go around the room the- theologically for a moment. Let's talk about this. Are, are blacks still slaved, enslaved or Irish or any of the other oppressed classes of the 1600s enslaved uh, by the worldly or the biblical term? And what is the difference between the biblical term slavery and the worldly term? Well, uh, in terms of worldly and physical slavery uh, in America, we do not see that anymore um, out in the open. I, we've touched on, you know, there's still some um, issues around, you know, Houston being a hub of of some like sex trafficking, sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, other countries, particularly in Africa, um, still do practice something that looks very much like what you think of when you think of American slavery. This dehumanizing. Because um, that's where it started. Yes. Just saying. Uh, as far as biblical slavery, you can take that two different ways. You can talk about the physical, which um, in terms of the slavery that Israel participated in, it was something much more akin to an indentured servitude um, where people were uh, indentured. Debt. Yes, indentured to pay a debt and uh, were had a, a, a scheduled release date, if if you will. It was not a lifelong uh, forced commitment to pay the debt. It was, although there was the option to stay with your master if he was a good caretaker of you, which was often the case. So much the case that it had to be written into law what would happen if he wanted to stay with his master or her master. But there's also, in By the way, terms, if you beat that slave... That slave was released. Yes. Just to be clear. And if the slave died, you were killed. There were human rights issues that, I mean, of course. laws that you just didn't have the power and the freedom to mistreat the person who was yes. your indentured Yes, it, it was not a property type slavery. It's a different term. They didn't term. have the economy system that we had. That yeah. was just their economy system of the day. But keep yes. going. Yes. <laughs> so um, that's in terms of physical biblical slavery, but oftentimes the Bible refers to slavery to sin, that you are, yeah, you are a slave to either Satan and sin and the world, or you are a slave to Christ. Could one say that this guy is not inherently wrong, that he is indeed enslaved he to is. whites? the white liberal ideology of critical race theory propounded by ultimately by a racist uh, European named well, Karl Marx well, I would, rebranded in cultural Marxism. I would not even go to um, cultural Marxism or critical race theory right off the bat. I would say that he is enslaved to the idea of a secular society and that secular society is what, generates ideas like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. Sure. 
if we want to if we want to break down the pathology there are, there are a couple of ways that we could do it but point well taken yep. point well taken moving on to the chair of politics let's talk about this for a moment we have a god-ordained institution in government yet right now what we see being propounded is a, is a different religion secularism secularist humanism which ultimately plays very well to the tenets of marxism it, you know it, it inevitably goes there just speak to that for a moment what where has the government really failed this guy could we say that we've really failed in the education system and how the how we have indoctrinated him into believing a false god you could go there there are several i mean you know there are the education system there's the politics uh there's religion there's so many different areas right now that um i think have failed in so many ways and the media why why does the media have a microphone right now it's because the culture has allowed it right people and I, i'm going to go back to this our political system it really based a lot on biblical values if you understand how our founding fathers came together the fact that you have freedom of speech which you don't understand that so we did have slavery in our country but because we had freedom of speech what could we do we could rise up and speak against what was wrong now we're in a day where we're calling wrong good and good wrong and this young man, he's not going to be repentive of his behavior because he has support. And we have the only political system that is going to work is going to be based on what is good and calling good good and evil evil. And so he thinks right now he has all this support. He may have this conviction on his record, but he has all this support that he but he's not repentant. And he's not repentant. He doesn't need to be mm -hmm. repentive because he has support. Mm -hmm. And the arrest is not because he was drunk. The arrest is not because he was on an airplane screaming, you know, which effectively in today's day and age is, you know, concern of terrorism, right? I mm -hmm. mean, that, yeah. that, that it's on the radar of the Absolutely. air air marshals. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's definitely uh, not because the guy, one of the two air marshals was black, just saying it, it, it's because white man is racist and they've enslaved us let me listen to white fragility and all of these other crazy crazy white liberals who are pushing me in this direction i again i would argue that they've traded brands and it's the same ideological branch that's trading the brands because satan satan is kind of a one-trick pony in some ways he's great at rebranding but really, he has the same lies he tells over and over again, just in a new way. Mm -hmm. And that goes really well to culture. We, we, we've looked at the we've looked at the culture that has that has just sort of festered. We, we, I remember in the 90s, I really felt it, it, the, the racial tensions were heating back up again. But 1980s, you, you lived through this. It seemed like it was a post-racial America. I remember in the 90s, I grew up. Uh, I spent a lot of formative years in a majority minority school. And no one cared about each other's color. 
I mean, really, uh, you know, we, we had we had all sorts of people who were immigrants in there. It, it there was no, but so, how has the culture changed from the eighties to the twenty twenties? In forty years, we've seen what looked like a path of healing. It's not perfect, but you know, we had all of these great shows that no one thought of. Oh. Well, it's predominantly a black cast that that didn't come to mind. I would totally agree with that. And now the fact that it's a black cast and there's no whites allowed or the white is the joke. How did we get there? How did we get from one point to the other? We traded our freedom for bondage. How, how did that fall out? That, that's a really good question. And I think... <clears throat> One of the things that I think about when I think about the, the history of blacks, when the dads were being ripped out of the homes, that really, That's... really hurt the black families. You know, I've, I've done 21 plus years of prison ministry, and there are a number of blacks in prison, but you know, the one person that many of those blacks will talk about is mama. If it wasn't for mama praying for me, you know, uh, I don't know where I'd, how much lower I could really go. And the thing is, is that these are well-meaning men. We're going to talk about one in a minute that is, is 180 of what your, your typical black in prison is like. There's, there are some that are really rough, but when we talk about how we've gotten from that point to here, I think we've bought the lies of Satan is, is ultimately what we've done. And we've allowed things to be said without standing up. I'll, I'll say this too, um, and I am a total supporter of police. But there have been a few bad nuts in our police departments. Mm -hmm. One thing that we have got to do, and this is not just a lesson for police officers. This is a lesson for all of us, society as a whole. We must confront wrong. That's the bottom line. If a police officer is, is witness to something that is wrong by one of his colleagues, he's got to confront that. Because if he doesn't, it leads to some of the things that we've seen in the past and some of the, the hype that has been made has been out of special circumstances, I think. And lo and behold, now, now we've got a look of police are against blacks. I don't think that's the case at all. There are bad police officers. There's going to be. But we must confront the evil when we see it. And that's on all of us, not just them. I like the way Abraham Hamilton III said it. Um, he's, a, he's a really cool guy. I got to meet him doing a show in, in uh, June of 2020. He, he said it really well. He said, I, I support the institution of police. Therefore, when I see bad policing, I speak out so that the institution can be preserved. Absolutely. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Abraham Hamilton III is uh, uh, the African-American. He's the melanated, uh, 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 coincidentally, policy analyst for American Family Radio. So 
just just so you have the context there since we're counting i mean it it, it makes it icky to talk about black versus white again it has so much more to do with the cultural connotations and again you want to talk about the the stereotypical white appellation or you want to talk about the stereotypical this or that yes the every single one we could talk about that it's more about the culture yes has everything to do with culture rather than than anything to do with the amount of uh, melanin in your skin. And and one further thing, if I could, uh, John Arthur, to to just bring up, I believe there have been blacks that have just been pulled over for absolutely no reason. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not trying well, to wipe that off. What I'm trying deal. to say is that when the when when we see wrongdoing, I don't care where you're at, what occupation you're in. We've got to confront that. You were alive during Jim Crow. Yeah. I mean. We were in the North, though. We, I it, mean, we didn't, have, we didn't have those issues. So to come to the South. But the point being is that there are a lot of people alive today who were very much mm-hmm. subject to the intolerable nature. Yes. Of, again, and, 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 and it's not Republican or Democrat, but I'm just saying which party line you're voting on does mean something, especially when Jim Crow, slavery, and everything else is on the books. It says something about your worldview. All right. It says something about your worldview. By the way, the liberal Christian church in the South was using bad hermeneutics to justify their theology and their abuse. Just so that we're clear, the liberal church has always been... The church has had a problem. Yes. And I'm going to just say this. Some of the issues that we're having today, you know, when when sin is ignored and not addressed, we did win. The civil rights thing, it was a win. But let's also remember the unanswered evils that took place. They have never been justified. Oh, they, they never, never will. And, and they not never, on this earth. They never will. But we do need, as white people understand that these things did happen Mm -hmm. and we need to open our eyes and realize no matter what laws we make there's somebody who's going to be racist and whether it's against a black person whether against a woman whether it's against a jew there is somebody who is going to be hateful Mm -hmm. and mean and unjust that's going to happen but we as a white society need to understand these things did happen and we can provide uh, a sympathetic ear, but what we really need to do is aggressively make sure that all men, women, no matter what race or what religion they are, are standing on equal ground to go forward. And they they have equal opportunity. That that's yes. the key. The yes. equal opportunity and not outcome, mm-hmm. because equal out there will always be a like we said before in a previous co- a podcast. There will always be inequality. Mm-hmm. The question is: is it is it Equality, do we have equality of opportunity as the bare rung? That's something we can justify. But outcome, there will always be inequality of outcome. I think, Miss Nikki, you said in a podcast a couple weeks ago that you can't legislate away immorality. That's correct. And I think that that applies here mm-hmm. quite nicely. We need to try to punish it when we can. Mm-hmm. But there are some types of immorality. When it comes down to the heart, you can't change that. You can change mm-hmm. actions, though. And you can prohibit evil actions. And that's what we need to be about because we can't stop the wickedness of the heart. Uh, and on that note, let's move to this other story. Mr. Charlie has a uh, 
an interesting one coming out of San Diego, California. This is uh, <clears throat> this is sad, is what this is. So Gateway Pundit here, and for whatever reason, my computer locked up. There we go. Um, Gateway Pundit here, Black Lives Matter activist charged with 19 felonies for attacking and gassing police is found not guilty by jury. And this was apparently just this last week that the article was written, but listen to this. Um, This is regarding Denzel Drawn. He was participating in a a rally in San Diego, uh, California. And this is back in the September 2020 timeframe. And he decided it would be a good idea to go ahead and tear gas a group of police officers. He was charged with 19 felonies, including nine counts of using tear gas against a group of police officers. Now watch this. He is from Indiana and has a long criminal record. So he has no interest locally in San Diego about what's going on here. But he has every right to protest. Protest. What does that not include? Mm-hmm. His Violence. bail. Yeah. His bail was set at $750,000. He's found not guilty of spraying police officers with uh, pepper spray. Um, I want to read just this one little bit more here. In this event, the police stopped the driver of an SUV that was bringing up the rear of the march for running a red light. An abusive, profane, hostile, and threatening mob gathered around the police as they questioned the driver. One policeman held up a can of pepper spray to ward off the mob. The person tried to slap the can out of his hand, and the policeman sprayed him. That started a melee, and the police are arresting that man when this clip, uh, and it's in the, in the article there, uh, above In the starts. description. Mm-hmm. Can of pepper spray somehow becomes loose, rolls onto the sidewalk, Drawn picks up the can and sprays the group of policemen arresting the first man. This flipped around. So let's, and again, let's talk about that. When, when off, these officers ec- exercised an enormous amount of restraint, hmm. by the way, I don't know if I would have drawn to defend myself. I, I would have, I, I agree. Because you don't yeah. know what's coming next. Yeah. And can I just say for anyone who's listening, if you are a bystander uh, watching a, an arrest take place and you have concern for the safety of the person being arrested, the one thing that is 100% guaranteed to not help anyone, in fact, make the situation unbelievably worse, is to involve yourself physically in any way with the arrest. Because you just escalated. Get the, get get the, the camera, camera out. And call 911 again. That's right. Just as, it, it de-escalate as much as you can. Yes. Screaming, you, shouting. By the way, some people help. will argue, and, and I'm, I'm not a proponent of this. Some people will argue, however, that uh, uh, Derek Chauvin would have gotten off sooner if people hadn't been screaming at him. I'm not a proponent of that, but it has. It, it, it's not entirely without merit. But uh, with that said, I'm not I'm I'm not espousing that. Mm-hmm. But yelling and screaming and screaming and shouting, you're literally backing that officer into a corner. And I, I'm not saying right or wrong there on the officer. I'm saying when you escalate that, the officer immediately pulls back to survival instincts. But and, and rightly so, 
I agree because they want to get home to their family. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand what a police officer goes through day to day mm-hmm. when they've been sitting there trying to arrest a guy that has been amped up on drugs and he gets thrown halfway across the room. You're not dealing with a normal human. Yeah. So when they get the leg up on somebody, they reflect back on some of those circumstances and they go, I can't let this guy up. Mm-hmm. And by the way, let me just be very clear here. I'm not, I'm not t- saying that's what Derek Chauvin did. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying in general, we need to remember that what a police officer goes through day to day is something that we have no idea. We can't relate to it. There's a an old video that I'm going to find and send to put in the description of a, a black activist from several years ago. In Houston, it was a Channel Houston. 11, I think. Yes. Don't quote me. And he espoused the idea that police were shooting unjustly. And he went to the police station and took... Uh, like a training a course. A full active, uh, active officer yes. slash shooter slash... Full on training course and then went through several scenarios. Every time he was supposed to shoot or would have should have shot, he didn't and was killed in the scenario multiple times. Every time he should not have shot, he did. And so... There you go. It, human it, error. I mean, yeah, it, it let him human. know. He walked away back in a time when we were capable of saying, wait a minute. Oh, I see the other. I see the other person's shoes. Yeah. I may or may not agree with this or that, but this is this is this is not as black as white, black and white as I thought. It's yeah. it's hard, it's hard, and police work is really difficult. So let's 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 pull this back around to the chair of theology for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to go further though into the. You started to really pull out the point, the spiritual bondage. Mm-hmm. When we have again, we have unparalleled rights in this country and again i I, the 80s were not the good old days there's no such thing as the good old days Mm -hmm. however we were on a different path a different trajectory an arc going upward we traded that for this victimhood culture ultimately yeah and and so let's so let let's let's dig a little bit for a moment in some sense, I think that's true, um, but I, I also think that you know we've we've tossed around the term cultural Marxism a couple of times, and really, what that means is that Marxism, as you think of it from the Soviet Union, there are very very few people who can still defend that after the they, horrors. They won't defend it. Yeah, some will, very few, some will, but but. You can just point them to a history book and the tens of millions of people who died. That's not what this podcast is about, but and pretty much everyone knows what I'm talking about. I don't even have to get into details. What cultural Marxism did is they took the underlying principles of Marxism, but they changed the window dressing from economics to race. Yeah. So, so when we were winning this war against race in, in certain ways, or certainly on the right direction, they pulled this flip, and now this is where we're at. So this, this, this cultural Marxism, this critical race theory, it is not new in its underlying 
uh, roots. I would agree. So it, there's nothing new under the sun. And again, with a garden full of opportunity, yea, hath God said, is what you have really that good? Mm-hmm. That there's is two, all- two verses that I, I really want to pull out here. Proverbs 3 3 is an excellent verse. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And then if you go to Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. I think when I, I'm still, I'm still thinking about that question you asked earlier. How did we get from you know, where we were in the 80s to here now. And one of the things that I keep thinking about is that there was an enticement to the black people from the Democrats. Hey, we'll do for you. We'll do for you. We'll do for you. And here it is. They haven't done for them. And blacks are going, you know what? We've we've been stolen from. We've been used. They're seeing that it's the same lie. Yes. It's the same lie, and it's the same cultural group. Yeah. It's the same evil. And, and, and again, each, each group has their own evil, but we're talking about the evil white liberal, the yeah. same people who foisted slave, you know, continued slavery, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed Jim Crow, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, changed to this cultural Marxism tack. They had to because they were losing. That's why I love hearing the voices of, of people like Candace Owens and Leo Terrell, um, and, and we could go on. Uh, there's a number of black voices that are really speaking up and trying to bring the truth about situations to the minds of the people. So let's move over to the chair of politics for a moment. Yeah, I'm, because I'm ready the, to say some this stuff. gets this gets really <laughs> this really gets into your chair very well. Let's talk about that. The shift in the political structure. They talked about the, the, the Republicans and Democrats switching magically in the 60s. Only one person out of the 100 in, in Senate, I believe, switched. And that was because he was always, you know, sort of right in the middle. But we didn't change our politics. We just changed how we branded it, didn't we? Yeah, let me just say something about this um, man that was found not guilty. That was in San Diego. So when you're talking about the political realm of San Diego, take that same man to a different city. Take him to Texas. (laughs) The outcome is going to be different. And that's important to understand, especially when it comes to politics, is where you're at in the political environment that you live is going to promote what what is going to happen in this situation with uh, this young man being found not guilty that wouldn't have happened in another city but san diego and the political environment here is very radical very radical and people who don't embrace this are not going to be very comfortable i don't know san diego is so much uh, San Diego mm-hmm. is not as radical as San Francisco, right? But that's, it is pretty that's a bad. Pretty low bar. It it's a low bar to it's a low yeah. hur- hurdle to cross. But you, you're not wrong. Now going back to the change, 
actually, if you were to, I, I know I'm going to open up a can of worms here, but if you research our political system and who was really pro-slavery, um, it was the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Who was pro-Jim Crow? Think you got to go back and and look and do the research mm -hmm. of what really happened here. Now, so comes the civil rights movement, and I know Republicans get blamed for a lot of things, and they're they're certainly not perfect. But to be able to hang on to power, you've got to have you've got to feed something into the into society to make you look like you are. That you are the the savior. I'm here to help you. I'm here to to make this right, and that's what you've been talking about. The switch wasn't that Democrats are pro uh, this or pro that. It's about how can I hang on to power? How can I keep these people under my thumb? Mm -hmm. And that's what LBJ said for years. Going to the chair of philosophy and economics, LBJ again. I've said it over and over and over again. Greater cities policy. He created his own new deal, so to speak. By the way, FDR, terrible president. LBJ, terrible president. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, terrible president. They all put in some terrible, awful, evil measures. LBJ, active. there is systemic uh, discrimination in the United States. I've said this over and over again. It lies in this, that LBJ said we'll have those inwards voting first for the next 100 years when he decided to institute the welfare state. And what did the welfare state promote? Mr. Charlie, what did it say you had to get rid of out of the home to get money from Uncle you, Sam? You got to get rid of one of them. You got to get rid of dad, probably. You have to, women, you can apply for aid. More aid than your working stiff man can make if you just get rid of him. You, and the thing i.e., you have to be a single mom to qualify for aid. And they sent agents door to door to let them know about this program. Mm -hmm. The same Democrats, the same liberals. And by the way, again, liberal Christian church, look at your roots and look at what yep. they've done. Yep. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not coming at you per se, but I'm saying, look, examine it. And then yep. from the chair of economics, is it better to have power over a large group of people than it is to own them. Is it better to own slaves or is it better to have all of the wealth that those people can generate on their own and tax 60 to 80% of it? Because that's what you really, that's really what you're taxing in the United States. 60 to 80% of the wealth. You have a 30% corporate tax. Uh, depending upon who's in office, whatever. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's a little bit lower, right? But say 30% corporate tax. Then you tax everyone 30% on their income, give or take. Some higher, some lower, some 50%. And then, and then when you're done with that, you tax all of their usage from the gas to, to everything that's not groceries. By the time you get done, you have this huge amount. Is it better to own slaves and be responsible for their food or to allow these people to go out, make their money, and then tax them and enjoy the power that you get from taxing them. And that's 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 a great question. And, and you know, it's amazing. People don't realize how much we are being taxed in this country. 
And guess what? Guess who wants to do all of the taxing? Mm -hmm. The same people who wanted to own slaves for their own personal goals, agendas, and an income. Mm -hmm. Just let that simmer for a moment. It's the same people. You want to talk about white guilt? Yeah, you better have white guilt if you still hold on to those ideas. You know, when we think about the issue of victimhood in biblical perspectives, boy, we could point to a number of different cases, couldn't we? I mean, about Joseph. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a victim for you. Joseph did not take the angle of being a victim. Did he ask for reparations? <laughs> Ended shot. up being the second in command. I mean... How it, about David? David. Even Moses. Uh, we've got other examples as well. You know, the Bible is full of stories of quote-unquote victims where God has used those people for great things, great things uh, to, to impact the people around them. Uh, in their future. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the disciples, yeah, there's a little victimhood going on and, and they weren't moaning about it. They, in, I'm, I'm not, I want to be careful here. I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that you can't speak up, but in the same respect, don't buy into the lie that being a victim is going to gain for you. That's not right. That is not what Jesus was about. He well, knew that people were going to be victimized. The issue is not physical. I love what it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. The issue is spiritual. So, Chair of Theology, who was the greatest victim to have ever lived in history. I'm just going to take a guess and say uh, probably Job. <laughs> I'd say higher than that. Well, probably Christ, obviously. Christ. You know, yeah. the, Job, the, the, Job is an is a excellent human example. Yes, but, but Christ, delve, who delve is both. the actual innocent party, yeah. suffered everything. For no reason. Yeah. How many laws were he, broken he just actually, to crucify him? He and did actually he, didn't deserve it. And did he spend a large amount of effort decrying the injustice of the law that was being broken and his trial? Mm. You know what he was doing? He was on point. He was on task. Where was he going? To the cross mm -hmm. to create the good news. Yep. Job. Let's talk about Job. That was not where I was going, but let's talk about Job. Job. Terrible victim. Mm-hmm. What did he do while being a victim? He was trying to get over his pain. Yes. <laughs> well, that, but what did he do at every turn? The Lord gives. And the yeah. Lord takes away. And Blessed be the name of the yes. Lord. Yeah. And when, when his friends were coming against him with many accusations of well, you must have some hidden sin in your life or yep. there's there's something going on that you're not telling us, yada, yada. I think Job was always very careful that he, he, he never used, I don't think I'm going to be able to say this in a way that will make sense. 
he never focused on his state as a victim. He focused well, on his relationship to God. Well, here's the thing is he 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 sort of did. He, he acknowledged he would, it. Yes, he he would lament quite often at, at the state that he was in wishing that he had never been born, been born that he had, that that he had never been in his mother's womb but what was the focus what was the exactly it, it always still, I, will, I will serve you yes it always came back to whether or not i'm a victim is not the point it's not about me ultimately mm. Mm. well so, and the thing about job is is good for everybody to understand the story is no matter how hard or unfair the circumstances are against you god gives you the strength the power and the ability to move forward mm -hmm. and that's what is so important about job it shows every human being if you're gonna have loss of family your loss of your physical health loss mm -hmm. of your finances God is still going to pull you through out of it. That's what that's so important about Job in the in the midst of it. But to sit in your victimhood and to draw others into it with you for sympathy and just to sit there and not go anywhere with it and to use it to as get a crutch. as yes, as a crutch as to get personal gain and not to be an overcomer then that is the saddest story in the world. And do you know, today we have so many people of different races and different religions that have overcome so much racism and prejudice that are very successful. Mm -hmm. But where, why aren't they on television? Where's their voice? Mm -hmm. You know, why aren't they being raised up to say, "Hey"? Because it yeah. doesn't fit the That's narrative. Right. Even even That's very right. famous. I mean, um, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman. They had interviews many many years ago. Denzel Washington, I think, is is a little bit more recent, where they're talking about, "No, look at me. I am the success story." And Washington uh, said, it, "Washington yeah. doesn't even necessarily line up necessarily with us politically." But no, he said, "Hey, if the all. system is screwed up, then." Why would you feed it? Why would you why would you argue with the cop at the why would you do that? Why would you allow them to victimize you? Mm -hmm. Go out and conquer this world. You can be that. Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. What did he say? I can't remember the quote off he the top said, of my head. He said, I'm gonna he said, uh, I'm gonna ask you to stop calling me a black man and I'm gonna stop calling you a white man. He's mm -hmm. talking, by the way, he's talking to a Jew, but this is right after the guy goes, well, what about Black History Month? And Morgan Freeman says, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean you don't want it? I don't want it. When's White History Month? Well, I'm actually Jewish. Okay, when's Jewish History Month? <laughs> and, real, and, and, this, and this interviewer just starts back and goes, uh, we don't have one. Do you want one? No. Then stop talking about it. Amen. Well, the same thing happened um, on on the Dave Rubin podcast. I mean, I dare say Dave Rubin does not line up with us politically or religiously. <laughs> I'm just gonna th throw that out there. Flamboyant gay atheist. Yeah, and he was interviewing Larry Elder, and you know, Dave Rubin brought out the talking points. He said, "Well, you know, black people are have some systemic oppression." Larry Larry Elder said, uh, "Name name one." And Dave Rubin was like, uh, um, uh, uh, they, they get shot by cops more often. And Larry Elder came out and he said, listen, these are the statistics. These are the facts. It's not more often. 
you're twice as likely to be shot as a white mm -hmm. man at a police stop than you are a black as of 18 or 19 statistics. Yeah, and and then kudos to Larry Elder because, you know, Dave Rubin tried to change the subject. And Larry Elder said, no, 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 no. I asked you, why do you think there's systemic racism? You gave me one answer. I told you it was wrong. Get What's your next one? There what's is systemic racism, but it, again, it's very, always the welfare state. That's very dangerous for to listen to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What happens if if you were to promote that? I mean, Larry Elder's reasoning and his his uh, his talking points. Well, you know, if that's being promoted, what 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 does the Democratic political um, party want to say about you that? You become the the the, uh, the black face of white supremacy. The As they called him. Yeah. And yeah. so let's wrap this up around the room because our time is starting to run short here. Chair of Theology, does the Bible teach us to be victims or victors, and through whom is our victory? Well, that's a, a pretty softball question. Uh, <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> we are called to be victors, and the only way that that can happen is through Christ. There's nothing that we can do in our weakness to overcome ultimately we have to rely on the shed blood of the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world to conform us to his image and only in that image can we ultimately overcome the world so let's just dig one more layer there victimhood is this does this victimhood culture does this comport with a good theology? No, no, because I think underlying the idea of this idea of victimhood is is not the idea of like Job that I have suffered greatly, but I'm also I, I will also submit myself to the Lord. This idea of victimhood stems from, okay, I'm a victim, so now you owe me something, and that is antithetical to christianity we are owed absolutely nothing and precisely because we are not owed anything because we deserve everything that god would give us that is why we need christ as our savior amen and amen moving on to the chair of politics as christians how should we be choosing our political issues in which political battles should we be fighting CRT uh, being the context here and cultural Marxism. Biblically, government is about promoting good and punishing evil. And what is good is to give every person an opportunity. And I mean, an equal ground. They have equal education, equal everything. Um, but politics is full of power hungry people. And we in America are very um, successful and we love power and we love money. But as a Christian and you're looking at the political world, you really have to put biblical principles into play when you are looking at the politician. And you have to, it may sound good, but does it line up biblically? And if it doesn't, it's not going to work in society. Amen and amen. Moving out of the chair of culture, which that tees up very well for you. How should we be fighting this culture war? Because I think Christians, conservatives, all too often we take the bait. We take the bait and we fight on uneven ground. Where should, how should we fight this culture war? Well, 
as Christians, I think we need to fight it at the ballot box, number one. Um, we need to fight it at our community meetings, our school board meetings. And you're seeing that. Um, that That's ringing out big time. Uh, you're seeing a lot of movement of people being, of, of getting inspired to run for a position on a school board. Mm-hmm. Those those kind of things culturally is how you, as, as a Christian, you can impact things. You do it from the bottom up. You don't do it from the top down. You might think that that putting in the right president is going to take care of your woes. That is the end of your woes. That's that's the end. You have to start in your community. You have to start in your town and work it up. That's how you fix this. And that's the biggest way I think that you can impact your your local um, issues. The old cliche is it doesn't matter as much as who's in the White House as it does who's the head of your house. Amen. And what's happening in your church house. Yeah. And what's happening in your schoolhouse and what's happening in your state house and Senate. Yep. Let's make sure that we live locally and live intellectually consistent lives. That is the thing. Philosophically and from the chair of economics, a couple things here. Live consistently. Make sure that you are a lover of what is true. Make sure you focus on truth. That way, when people come to you and they say, well, what do you think about this most recent hate crime or what do you think about this crt if you've been living an intellectually consistent life you will be prepared to impress in their mind to give a an authoritative answer and again economically guys jesse smollett looking for a nice quick extra bit of notoriety and fame because he was a c-grade actor on a c-grade show and yes, I think he will continue to be a C-grade actor and a C-grade set of shows. We will find out. I totally We will disagree. find out. Uh, with that said, thank you so much. Love you all so much. Thank you for listening in. Uh, go ahead, and if we missed a talking point, hit us down there in the comment section. Uh, tell us from which chair you're arguing, etc. If you like this podcast, like, share, subscribe. Go to provokedareason.com. Full article there on this topic, along with all of these citations and quotes and references. And um, if you didn't like this, I'm so sorry. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, all right, all right. So we already know Mr. Charlie's uh, uh, opinion, but going around the room, if you're still listening, you are true fans or you were (laughs) asleep. So going to my right, Juicy Smollett, does he have a future? Book deal. Book deal all the way. Book deal all the way. Mrs. Nikki. I think he has a future, unfortunately. Yes. I think he does. And so, Mr. Charlie, you think he's done? I think he's dying. Think he's I, I think it's because a lot of people, especially in the black community, are not going to buy this garbage. But they're they done but with it. The people you're talking about never watched a show and they think his stuff is garbage. But here's the thing <laughs> it, a lot of them think that this, you know, Ibram X Candy white fragility is garbage too, but it still sells. Some people will buy it. There is it's, a subset. And more importantly, there is a group of people who are still funneling CNN, even though their ratings are down in the tanks. I think there's one yeah. person funneling CNN. Oh, there's more than one. He's just a figurehead. But we won't talk about that because we're not anti-Semitic. Satan. <laughs> uh, but, Satan but is funneling CNN. I absolutely CNN. believe that he is going to be around in a fringe niche, but it'll be small. So uh, let us know what you we'll think to, down there. We'll have the to look in another uh, year. You'll have to see another year. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.